Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. It's our last broadcast of the season. I want to thank all the wonderful people that have come out each and every week to watch us. Also want to thank the people at Snoqualmie Casino. Said this before, it's a fantastic place out here, beautiful vista, the restaurant, really good, and it's not that far away, man. Once you get past Issaquah, it's like eight, ten minutes, so come on out to the Snoqualmie Casino. They've taken great care of us. Uh, we are down a man, and so everybody think good thoughts for Paul Moyer, who is under the weather, but we got Michael Bumpus here. Along with myself, Dave Wyman. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm all right. You know, out here in Snoqualmie, the last show of the year, it flew by. I've uh, had a great time. Love seeing all the consistent faces out here and uh, <laughs> ready for another we good week. regulars, man. Uh, you got to love that. When you got regulars, you're, you're doing well. Um, so, hey, on the show, uh, we're going to do our own opponent preview because we don't need to talk to anybody in Carolina to figure out what's going on out there. And on the phone, we're going to have right tackle Jermaine Effetti. And, of course, we'll talk to the professor, John Clayton. We'll go through, inside the film room, three plays from the game that, uh, that were significant and, and not in a good way. And we'll get to that in a second. And then also, uh, Paul Gallant is going to interview Quandre Diggs, uh, who is going to be playing NBA 2K20, 2020. So they play a video game, have a little chat. And Quandre Diggs, talk to him. I'm not sure if you've been able to talk to him yet, Michael, but uh, he is... He's a very direct communicator, and it's kind of interesting how his personality kind of reflects how he plays on the field. He runs and re- very purposeful, like the, the angles that he takes. And, you know, when you're safety and you're lined up 17, 18 yards deep, you've got to take good angles or else you'll be way off. And he has been really good, but he's a really, really direct communicator, and uh, it'll be interesting to listen to him. All right, let's, uh, let's do the, uh, the sad part here of the show. Going back through last week's game, Michael, uh, the good news is is that they're going to Carolina, of course. Russell Wilson is 30-7 and seven after a loss, which is the best record since the 1970 NFL merger. So just another amazing uh, record that, that Russell Wilson has. But as far as a quarterback, 30-7 and seven coming off of um, a loss. So hopefully they'll be able to rebound. But looking back last week, which part disappointed you more, Michael? Was it the defense or the offense? Uh, excuse me. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, I'm a defensive guy. You're an offensive guy. And uh, nice work with the cough button there. Hi, Mike Flood. we got Mike Flood from the Seahawks out here. Does a great job. Uh, and Anyway, um, so, yeah, go back to, uh, to the offense, what you saw, because for me it was about the defense just because I'm a defensive guy, but you probably look at it the other way. No, actually, I was more disappointed in the defense oh, because coming after the, the last few weeks, we had expectations now. You know, we thought that they would be able to handle any offense that's thrown at them. They put pressure on the quarterback. The corners have been playing well. Obviously, Condre and the, and the safeties have been playing well, the linebackers. So I was disappointed that it seemed like the Rams could do whatever they want. And then you go back, you look at the film. What the Rams do is so difficult to guard. You know, I saw them get out in a, uh, in a five wide 
And now the Hawks come down in man, and what do they do? They cross everyone across yep. the field. So now you're, you're mixing up your, your corners with your backs and your safeties are coming down. It's a bunch of confusion. So what the Rams do worked well, especially because we had some injuries. You didn't have a Michael Kendrick, so uh, Cody Barton got in. Cody played okay. He had good moments. He had bad moments, but he's still a rookie. And then Ansa wasn't there. We finally felt there was a time where we can get Ansa and Clowney on the field and everything's going to work. So I was disappointed by the defense because my expectations were high. As far as the offense goes, I thought they got into a hole, and it had to be something that they aren't really. They don't want to throw the ball around the field like they, like they had to do late in the game. They want to run the football, but when you get down two or three scores and late in the game, now you've got to ask your guys to throw the football. So the defensive side, I was disappointed, but the offensive side, I was also disappointed because there is no quick game in this offense right now. I never see Russell Wilson just take, open up his shoulders, boom, let the ball go. It's predicated off of the play action. So now when you're down late in the game and that run isn't working for you, you know, all the concepts are pretty deep. So, you know what? But then you got to keep it in perspective, man. I mean, this is the NFL. You know this, Dave. You're not going to win every single game. You know, sometimes you're going to have teams that just present personnel matchups. So it was Bad a matchup. perfect storm for the Rams. Yeah. It was, and, you know, I, I actually diagram. I think the play that you're talking about was a 19-yard reception to Robert Woods where the Seahawks, you know, they're, they're going to play man-to-man coverage. And, you know, sometimes you can pass those off and kind of zone them off. So, in other words, if you have three guys in a bunch and you got three defenders, one guy says, I'll take whoever comes out of this mess on the inside. The other guy in the middle will say, I'll take whoever's the number two guy, and then outside. And, you know, but sometimes there's confusion in that. So the Seahawks tried to just play man to man. And what happened was Trey Flowers just got behind Robert Woods, and he's so fast, he just beat him across the field. But, you know, those kinds of things just, you know, shouldn't be happening to this defense because, you know, they faced him enough times. I felt like the disappointment was that I felt like that was the 2017 2018 Rams. So, and actually, I diagrammed a play from the uh, from the Super Bowl where it was one of the first few plays where there was a crossing route that came across, and one of the New England linebackers just knocked the receiver on his butt. You know, and I, I think that's what you you needed to do. You needed to knock some of those crossers off. But as Pete said, it was all on the perimeter. On the offensive side, though, didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, and we haven't seen that in a while, especially coming in as the number three offense. I mean, I, I was looking at that number before the game going, can you believe that? We're like, you know, middle of the pack as far as defense goes, but offensively, the number three offense, and they, they just couldn't get it going. And and I, I thought the, the thing that was kind of interesting, after losing Rashad Penny three, four weeks ago, people wanted to trade they him. They wanted to trade him. Trade him for like a third rounder. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're going, what are we going to do without him? Because they the Seahawks finally got that one-two punch out of Carson and Penny that they've been waiting for. Yeah, they've been waiting for it. And, you know, a lot of guys were saying, like you said, two, three weeks ago, trade the guy. He's worth the third. He's worth the fourth, the fifth. But like I said in, in previous interviews, that's why you just believe in the process. You believe in, in, in Pete Carroll and in, in a Schneider. And really that offense sputtered a bit. There were a couple of plays that were just – uh, significant for me, it was a, a fourth down drop, by, I believe, by Malik or Hollister. And there was a third down drop by Malik or Hollister. Those two yeah, plays those two. were huge. You're, you're driving, you're moving the ball. And then there was a, a sack that Russell took late. Um, it, it was a third down. It was like a third and seven. Then it became a third and 15 and got them out of field goal range. So those three plays um, were huge as far as that offense goes. And then you get down, and you're going to ask Russell Wilson to spread it out and throw the football. And the, the hardest thing to do is throw the football when everyone expects you to throw the football. When they're going to stay in that too high, you're going to get that soft coverage. And once you get behind, uh, once the Seahawks get behind, it's very difficult to come back, especially down two and on the road. 
Yeah, so just never able to get that going. Um, defensively, another person I thought was interesting or a player that was uh, was missing was Ziggy Ansah. And, you know, when the season started, I thought, well, they signed him to a pretty reasonable contract for his age and his production. And I just thought, well, maybe the guy gets three or four sacks. And then as the season went on, you just didn't really get that much from him. Come to find out it's about his health, and he just couldn't get weight back on. But, you know, he has been so disruptive in the last few games. So it looks like, you know, he's going to be maybe a game-time decision. Jadavian Clowney also going to be, uh, he's got the, the sports hernia thing going on, which he's dealing with. And he's playing through, but he also got the flu. So I mean, that's you know, hopefully he'll be he'll be ready to go. But you know, I, I think you know we're going to talk to Jermaine Effetti coming up here at uh, at seven thirty at the bottom of the hour. But you know, one of the things they need to do is protect Russell because over the last four games, I've counted eighteen sacks and twenty nine quarterback hits. So and his you know his passer rating has not been good over that period of time. You can understand why when he's getting hit that much. So. You know, hopefully they'll be able to, uh, to be able to protect Russell Wilson. Although they're going against a team that has 47 sacks compared to the Seahawks, who have 23, and I think the Seahawks have given up 40 sacks offensively. Yeah, you're going up against a team that can get after the quarterback. And you're right, Russell Wilson, it seemed like that last game against the Rams, he wasn't able to maneuver in the pocket the way he was used to. And what I saw is that, one, you got an Aaron Donald who's going to collapse the pocket. And then you got a Clay Matthews who's going to keep his eye out on these guys. And what fear, what scares me about the Panthers is that they have a solid linebacker core with Keekly and Shaq and Bruce. So um, they're going to be looking at, at Russell. They're going to get after the quarterback. And if you can keep him upright, if you can get him outside the pocket, if you can allow him to do the things that kept him in the MVP race once upon a time, which is the scramble drill. And I feel like we've kind of gotten away from that. If he's not able to get outside the pocket to maneuver, if, they're just, if a team has gap control, if they are disciplined with those gaps, it's hard for Russ to maneuver. So um, that's what I saw with the Rams last week. But, again, I think that was just a one-week deal. I think that these guys are refocused. They're re-energized. They're ready to go. They're ready to go on the road and uh, be the road roars that they were. They were 6-1 on the road. You know, it's yeah. hard to win on the road. People forget that. I think we kind of got spoiled a bit because we're used to seeing them perform so great on the road, and it's a difficult thing to do. So I expect them to bounce back and go 7-1 and come back home ready to go. That would be nice. Uh, this is the fifth, I believe, 10 a.m. start. Fifth 10 a.m. start coming up here, and uh, you know, that's just not even a thing anymore. It's not even a problem. So, yeah, I've had some tough trips, boy. Philly, um, going out to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. So lots of uh, lots of miles traveled. And coming up next, we're going to try to preview a little bit to give you a little bit of flavor from the Carolina Panthers. It seems like it's kind of a mess out there. But, you know, um, this is still a dangerous team. You look back last year, they sold out to stop the run and Russell Wilson and what I mean by that they just committed everybody to run gaps they were running uh, run blitzes where guys are just running through gaps the Seahawks couldn't run it so they took to the air and Russell Wilson had two touchdowns over 300 yards a astronomical quarterback rating and remember a fourth and three touchdown pass to to David Moore so hopefully uh, if they do take that run away uh, Russ is able to, to do what he did last year or something close to it. All right, coming up next, we're going to do a little bit of an opponent preview, dig into what the Carolina Panthers are about. That's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus and... 
Let's take a look at the the Carolina Panthers, Michael. I, you know, we talked to a guy named Joe Persons today, who uh, writes for the Athletic out there, and you know, I asked him. Do you think this is a team that maybe could implode just because of what's going on? And just uh, the firing of, of uh, Ron Rivera just happened a, a couple of weeks ago. I thought, it, you know, I just remembered it being earlier, but it's just happened. And they had a really bad performance against Atlanta, lost 40 to 20. Um, and then, you know, they were talking about, I know that uh, their, their tight end, Greg Olson, was saying, ah, this is the darkest day that I've had in the NFL when, Everybody loved Ron Rivera, but the owner didn't. So they end up letting him go. Now Perry Fuel is the head coach. And then on top of that, after the game last week against Atlanta, their second-year cornerback, Dante Jackson, he called out the Carolina defensive coaching staff. He said there was two terrible calls that he said led directly to two Atlanta touchdowns. Now, he apologized today, but... Of course he did. Man, when you do that in the media... I just, uh, you know, coaches and players argue all the time. I remember yelling and cursing at coaches and vice versa, but sometimes in the heat of battle, sometimes it was at practice, but never in the media, man. No, one, you're a second-year guy, so how much clout do you really have in that building? And two, that's just not how you do business. You know how it is. And in front of everybody else, you're a united front. You right. know, now when you right. get to the when you get to practice and, and you're on the sidelines and, and things happen, but when you're in a controlled environment, you have to be able to um, to have the organizations back. And he just didn't do that. And the fact that he's a second year guy, man, I I it's not right, but I can see if it was like a Pro Bowl or Hall of Famer, yeah. you know, someone calling somebody up. But it's like, man, it's a privilege to play in this league, and it's your second year. So whenever you're faced with some kind of question that that, that kind of sets you up to say something negative about the organization. Man, you go, you go the other way, so kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you say something stupid before you've become a good player, we should call it a Baker Mayfield from <laughs> now on because, my God, that's all he's done. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't even really done anything. He's thrown 30. I get a chance to, to rag on Baker Mayfield. I'm going to take it anytime I'm on the air. I just, man. But, yeah, that was, uh, was, was kind of surprising. We mentioned the, uh, the 47 sacks that they have, and, you know, you look at uh, they've, they've, Eric Reed, actually, their safety, he has four of them. Uh, leading sack guy is Mario Addison. He's a defensive end with nine and a half. Uh, Brian Burns, who's a rookie defensive end, five and a half. And Bruce Irvin, our guy Bruce Irvin, has five and a half as well. So this is a pretty tough defense. And uh, but you know, and you look at the, also Shaq Thompson, as you mentioned earlier, and Luke Keekley, pretty good linebackers there. I was looking over on the other side of the ball. Christian McCaffrey obviously is just incredible. I mean, his, his numbers. I mean, he's already almost to two thousand yards as far as uh, receiving and rushing. But you know, the other thing uh, that I noticed uh, about him is that Tampa Bay shut him down. So he averaged 167 yards per game in a, in 11 games, but the other two that were the Tampa Bay games, he averaged 55. And I went and looked at those films, and you know, it, it looked like they basically were playing like a spy on Christian McCaffrey, which I think is wise. And I think the linebackers might have to to step up. I think it's going to be on them, on Bobby and KJ and Cody and maybe Kendricks if we see him playing. Because man, if you take him away. Uh, I would say I would take my chances against Kyle Allen. Yeah, Kyle Allen. You take McCaffrey away, you still have D. Moore. They got a D. Moore over there, too. He has 1,000 yards, four <laughs> touchdowns. 
Um, but McCaffrey makes this thing go. He has 726 yards receiving, um, over 1,000 yards rushing. He's the guy. But if you look at the last four games, he's been held under 100 yards rushing the last four games. So they're trying to find different ways to get him the ball. They're yeah. going to get him in the pass game four times this year. I believe he's led the team in rushing and receiving. That's what can't happen. He can't lead the team in rushing and receiving. You want to take your chances on a D more. Obviously, he has 1,000 yards. He's having a great year. But if you're taking your chances on a D more, that means you're putting the ball in the hands of Kyle Allen and that's what you want a rookie quarterback trying to beat you and I think with the way this defense has played minus last week they should be able to get pressure on this guy even if they don't get the sacks that we've liked to see that we haven't seen this year there's good pressure on him and make him make tough decisions the Hawks are also top five when it comes to interceptions in the league so make him throw the football and we'll come down with it yeah more as you mentioned he was a first round draft choice out of Maryland last year so he's He's also having a good year, but yeah, I just think, man, if you if you take away, I'm still mad that Christian McCaffrey didn't get the Heisman a few years ago. Sorry, who got Derek, it? Who got Derek it Henry. Derrick Henry. Yeah. yeah, who was pretty good, but man, good. I just be, he being a Stanford guy and also the son of one of my buddies, Ed McCaffrey, who I played with at Stanford and played with him in Denver. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, remember what he did last year, McCaffrey, 237 yards. Yeah. So you know he was he had a couple of touchdowns. He was just. Uh, dynamic and that to me i think if you and we talked about this earlier i think if this is a team that if you get a lead on them they might shut down you know and that's kind of i mean there's a lot of pride a lot of these guys are saying look we're playing for each other gerald mccoy who's a veteran you know he said that you know how we're on a skid how do you right your wrongs beat seattle it can be done so you know we'll, we'll see which side of the panthers i just feel like either way it's going to be difficult because the Seahawks sometimes will make it difficult on themselves, but also it's just, you know, on the road in that 10 a.m. slot. I know the Seahawks are like six-point favorites, but still I think it's going to be a difficult uh, task. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, I think it'll be difficult. You're on the road. You're in Carolina. Uh, they're desperate right now. Both defenses are going to give up yards. They're both around 375 yards that they give up. So there will play. there are plays to be made out there. It's all about how they respond and if they're able to bounce back to when things go bad. And I feel like the Seattle Seahawks are a team that can bounce back, especially after this week. You know, our guy, Paul Moyer, right, he says mm -hmm. he prefers to play. He doesn't want to play a team after a loss because he feels like, you know, they're motivated, they're ready to go. I think the Carolina Panthers are, are feeling the same way, especially with this team, just because of the success that they had over the years. So this is a get-right game. Figure out, get back to who you are, run the football, don't get down, let Russell be special. And Russell needs a game as well. It's been a while since we've seen him perform True. at that MVP uh, status or caliber that we're used to seeing him earlier in the season. So it's all setting up for the Hawks to have a great game. It's funny, you look at this, uh, it seems like we play them every year. And I guess we didn't face them in 2017. But the Seahawks have, the last four times they visited Carolina, they've won, and really the the last loss was 2007. So in the modern, you know, Pete Carroll era, they've gone out there and kind of owned them, man. And and last year was uh, was no exception. That was the game where remember Chris Carson did the flip through the air. Yeah. The they they shut down the run game. Russell took care of business. So we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, I, I feel like this is a team if you jump on them that and they're also minus six in turnover ratio. Although the the Rams were minus four, but Seahawks now plus 11 in turnover ratio because, well, mostly because of Quandre Diggs' 
couple of uh, interceptions that he had last week. Yeah, Quandre's been a great addition to the team. We did like a ranking, I believe, last week of the, the best newcomer. And obviously Clowney gets it. But uh, if you just go off the last few weeks, um, I give that to Diggs. And with the rookie quarterback, I think you get them down. He's young. Yep. How does he lead these, these men in, in moments of adversity? And does he have the tools and the experience to get himself out of a hole? I think he's a decent player. I don't think he's their franchise quarterback going forward. So make him try to beat you. Well, you know, on Hawks Live, every time that we have the show up here at 7.30, we talk to a Seahawk player this week. It's going to be Jermaine Effetti. We'll talk to him next. That's here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. And we're trying to get Jermaine Effetti on the phone. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier. It was kind of a disappointing performance all the way around last week. But, man, going in, I just kept looking at going, is that number right? Seahawk offense, number three in the NFL as far as yards go, and that just has not been what it's been about here. I mean, it's been about the run game, certainly, and last year averaging 160, and this year they're averaging 141. But also just Russ has had just such a a great year, and it's amazing to me, Michael, when I start going through and looking at some of the records that, that Russell has. And one of them is that with one more win, he will tie Tom Brady for most wins in their first eight seasons. Tom Brady. And that's the thing that get, that jumps out to me with with him. Uh, here's another one. Career passer rating of 101.2. It ranks second in NFL history. So, I mean, it's not just what's going on here. Then, then you know, there's some of these where, you know, he's comparing. He's really he's comparable to a guy like Peyton Manning. So, I mean, that's that's the thing about Russ. But, you know, the reason why I bring that up, 30-7, and seven, mentioned that earlier after. I'll ask Jermaine if he's aware of that. But 30-7 and seven after a loss for Russell Wilson. So, in other words, he does not lose back-to-back games. No, he doesn't, and I don't expect him to do that this week either. You mentioned all the records that Russell Wilson um, is a part of. And it's unfortunate because sometimes I think, the 12s and this region take it for granted because they're so used to seeing this type of success. Kind of like the New England Patriots when their team goes down and they're yeah. booing him. Like you're booing Tom Brady and the Patriots <laughs> because they're down at home. Like, hey, this is welcome to reality. You're going to have tough times. You know? We don't do that here yeah, at our yeah. quarterback. No, right? not at all. I wouldn't expect the 12s to do that. So um, the, the run that he's had and the success that he's had, um, it's surprising to some but not to the guys here. And I don't think a lot of people realize the success that he has. And we're so tucked away up here, man. Yeah. Like, people don't like, – they need to have, like, a sports intersection, Russell's accomplishments this week. Right. It seems like every single week we're saying something else. I didn't know he was 30-7 and seven after right. a loss until you said it. Well, and Rabel and I do that before the game. Now our keys to the game includes a Russell stat of the week because it's just amazing what he's, what he's done. Let me throw this at you. If Russell's six foot two. First of all, he probably doesn't get picked in the third round, right? No. But if he's six foot two, don't you think? I, I really believe that that's a thing that people discount him because of his height, and I just think it's absolutely ridiculous based on the performance. I mean, one thing if he had two or three years, he's got eight seasons now. It's his eighth season, and he's just putting these numbers up. The other thing about it is, and I mentioned this the the Peyton Manning um, stat that he has, which I will find here in a second, but it um it's we don't throw the ball here 
Yeah. I mean, last year they were, I know we're in like the bottom half of the league as far as pass attempts this year, but last year we were dead last in pass attempts. And so he's getting all these numbers with an offense that really doesn't throw the ball, but it's just, he's just incredibly efficient. Yeah, he's super efficient. And um, a lot of the, the passes that he attempts are down the field. I'm sure there's a stat out there where he's the most efficient with um, throwing the football 20 yards or more down the field. Um, he yeah, has balls. one of the most wins in the in the fourth quarter. I think Matthew Stafford is around there with him. And so whenever you look at clutch stats, clutch stats, he's going to be in the mix and um, enjoy the show. I know he's had a couple of bad games, or according to his expectations, a couple of bad games to us or to the rest of the league. It's just an average game, but we're so used to seeing him perform at a high level. Um, don't forget things that this guy's done. Eight seasons, one of the most winningest quarterbacks out there, and he does it in a different way. He's not His personality and his style is something that I don't think this league has ever seen. Yeah, and that's. I think it's kind of like with Pete Carroll and John Schneider. We say every year, why don't they get executive of the year for John Schneider, GM of the year? Why doesn't Pete Carroll get coach of the year? And same thing with Russell Wilson, but I think it's because they're so consistently good. <laughs> I think you have to be really bad to win those for one season and then, you know, have a bounce back year. But unfortunately for the Seahawks, their bad season is 9-7. and seven. <laughs> 2017, I mean, that's the one year they haven't had a double-digit win total and they missed the playoffs. But 9-7 and seven, it equals the best record of any team that I was on in the NFL. Really? In nine years. So I like to think that it wasn't because of me, Michael. But uh, but yeah, definitely I mean, wasn't. You 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 take you take this for granted all the things that he's done, and you know one of the things I think it, it, what it was is three thousand plus yards and twenty plus touchdowns. Him and Peyton Manning are the only two that have done that in their first eight seasons. I, I did the the math on it because I went through and looked at at Peyton Manning's attempts, pass attempts. It was about six more pass attempts than Russell Wilson per game. So it ended up being like 600 less throws that Russell has gotten that same stat, 3,000-plus yardage and 20-plus uh, and touchdowns. So just, just amazing uh, how efficient he is. And today we talked to him about MVP. What, did you think, what do you think Russell would say if you ask him, hey, you know, how do you feel about the MVP? Do you want to win the MVP? Well, because I spoke to you before the show started, I know what he said, but if I didn't speak to you, I would think he said, hey, it's not, it's, it's not about wins. It's not about that. I just, I just want to win games. And, you know, the, the typical exactly. Russell answer, and th- that's not what he said, huh? Yeah, he said, look, hey, I, you know, for a guy that's 5'10", 5'11", coming out of Virginia, you know, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I don't know if he, I threw that in there. But, you know, he thought, you know, that, that would be cool. It would be something that he wants to accomplish. And, but, of course, you know, he talked about the team and everything. But that was a really good interview with him. Couldn't be happier with, uh, with Russ. We're just incredibly fortunate to have him here. He's just a good man, good leader. And the other thing is, I would say, and it's not like it was terrible or anything, but he has everybody buys into Russell as the leader of this team. And he came into a team that was mostly dominated by defense, you know, Richard Sherman. And then, you know, Doug Baldwin was was also, uh, you know, a leader. And a lot of those guys didn't think quite the same as Russell Wilson. Maybe they thought he was a little bit of a Boy Scout. But now this is Russell's team. You know, there's nobody that doesn't believe that everything he says he believes in. And he does. This isn't some act. I mean, Russ is... 
a guy that uh, just always positive. He talks about his uh, mental coach, Trevor Moab, and how they've worked together and how he's just able to keep a positive attitude even when things are, are going poorly for him. Yeah, I was, uh, I was one of the skeptics early. It was uh, when did Russ get in the league? 2012? 2012. 2012, I was a couple years removed from the league, and I'm like, there's no way this guy is for real. And the second year it comes. There's no way this guy is for real. And every single year, every press conference, every post-game interview, um, he's exactly the same. So at this point, he is who he is, and this works. And this also shows that you can be this kind of uh, straight-edge guy and have success. When you think about football players, you don't think about straight-edge guys. Yeah. You think about just raw, just rough, tough type Getting of Getting in fights and bars yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. A Phillip Rivers <laughs> yelling in a defensive player's ear, a 90-yard yeah. touchdown. You know, those are the type of moments you think when it comes to football players. And he just came and showed that you can, you can take a different path and still have a bunch of success. Let me ask you this, Michael, former wide receiver. Tell me what you're seeing out of Josh Gordon. Because he ran like an out route. The thing that I've seen from him, just from, from my eyes, is that it's effortless for yeah. him. He, he runs his route so well, catches the ball so securely. Uh, he's ran a few slants. He's ran like an out route, like I said. But I'm ready for, like, double moves down the field, a 50-50 throw. What do you think uh, about his development, and, and where do you see them using him? I think initially they used him the right way. You bring a guy in who doesn't really know the offense yet. What do you do? You isolate him on the backside of formation. You throw the route that I feel can work against any coverage in the world, which is a slant. Mm -hmm. So his first three routes are slants. And then you kind of see him evolve a little bit. He caught a deep out route. I believe he caught like a, a post going across the field. And you said it. When he catches the ball, it's like magnets. Like the ball just <laughs> sticks to his hand. And it looks different. Even when Tyler Lockett catches the ball, his – I call it hand selection. Big up Mike Levenseller from Washington State University taught me that phrase. Um, hand selection. How are you going to catch the ball? And it seems like when he decides he's going to he's going to catch the ball, it's the right hand selection. It's not a ball that's up high that you're flipping your hands over trying to get under. Um, if the ball's low, he's getting down again, and it, is, it looks effortless. And for a guy to be that big and to make it look like that is impressive. I used to grow up watching. Terrell Owens was my favorite receiver growing up. He was nice and big. I used to try to mold my game after Heinz Ward, but watching Terrell Owens, it didn't look easy when he caught the ball. Like uh -huh. He would catch it. He had some drops, too, but it didn't look easy just because he's a big man and the limbs are just different. But with Josh Gordon, it looks easy. It looks like he's a 5'11", he's a, a 6-foot guy mm -hmm. who can move his body in ways um, to make it easier for him to catch the ball. So I'm excited to see how he contributes in this offense going forward. And last week, even though the Hawks lost the game, it was encouraging to see that he caught an out route. He caught a post ball. We know he can catch a slant. So as the season goes along, as his run game establishes themselves again, those up-top balls are going to be there for him. Well, we weren't able to uh, to connect with Jermaine Fetty, but that's all right. We'll talk to the professor instead, and he'll get us caught up on everything that's going around the NFL. Talk to John Clayton. That's next here on Hawks Live. Welcome to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus. Just think good thoughts for Paul Moyer, who's a little bit under the weather tonight, couldn't join us. It's our last show up here. And uh, to celebrate, 
our last show. We're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton. John, how are you? I'm a little saddened because this is our last show together on Thursday night. So uh, I know, but not, we not the happiest guy the in the world, but I'm happy to be with you guys. Okay. Well, and you were right today on our show, and I agreed with you about the Ravens. 35-7. to seven. I haven't had a chance to watch much of that, but give us the Lamar Jackson report, John. Uh, MVP is over. I mean, he's, yeah. he's the MVP. I mean, what is it? Was it three or four touchdown passes today? He's still being able to run. He beat Michael Vick's record. He's got 31. I think he's now up to 32 touchdown passes. I mean, the guy's just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, as great as we were watching uh, Patrick Mahomes last year, yeah. he's equal to the task. Different numbers, different sets, but equally as good. I mean, now the AFC has two of the best young quarterbacks in football, and it's going to be great for them for a long period of time. Well, and I think the other thing about Lamar Jackson is even some of his, like, five-yard runs, he does, like, the crossover ankle breaker, almost like an Allen Iverson type of move, and that's the thing that I think that really catches people's eyes is just his athletic ability well the thing that amazes me and tell me if you've seen anything like this is that his back step because i mean he can go in and start to run around the defensive player but also he can take a back step with his left foot and be able to just okay boom stop and then go around to the right side of a defensive player i don't think i've ever seen anybody like that i mean it's almost again he is just amazing in how he can move and what he can do and uh, you know and again what what also makes him so good and he's showing it tonight how good he is in the pocket i mean this year it was kind of like uh, Russell Wilson a couple years in that one second half of the season where he was like the best pocket passer in the league. Well, you can look at Lamar and say at the moment he's one of the best pocket passers in the league because he can, if he needs to, he can just stand there in the pocket and throw. If he needs to run, he can run. I mean, this guy is basically unstoppable at this stage. Hey, John, last week Rashad Penny goes down. We know we now know that it's an ACL tear. And uh, should we expect Travis Homer to get a little more run this week with the offense. I would think so, yeah, because uh, you know, even though you know that ProSize is the main backup and should get probably you know six to eight carries per game, I think that at some point you know they got to get Homer in there to see what he can do. Not like they're experimenting, because again, this is a stage right now where you want to get as most the most experience you can on the field. But I would have to think they got to mix it in where he can get maybe you know three, four, five carries just to see where he is, because you can watch him because he's he's quick he's fast he's able to get the ball he can catch the ball all those different things but no i think he's a good back i know i talked to him this week and you know it's a good running back room because all the guys tend to get along well they all root for each other so i'd have to think that you know he'll get a few carries this week yeah i would love to see that you know the thing about homer that i see is he has one speed i mean whether it's a fake punt returning a kickoff which he did in philly running down on kickoffs and pete has been mentioning that all year so i think pete you know has a soft spot in his heart for him and you know i don't know what he's doing at practice but you know we'll we'll see but uh john you think i was just talking to to bumpus about josh gordon being a former receiver the things that he sees in him um from what we've heard from pete carroll and do we do, do we get a feeling that maybe he's going to get a little bit more involved in the offense this you would week? think so i think the the big thing this next two weeks particularly knowing that they're taking on two teams that you can beat you know carolina on the road with the losing record arizona is get you know first off the priority is it tyler lockett getting to be back to being a number one wide receiver that's the most important thing but also to get josh gordon into being a good 
number three reliable receiver because you know DK Metcalf and I don't know if he's hit that rookie wall or not he might have but he's still uh, you're talking about you know the third num- number three vote I think at the moment for offensive rookie of the year and that's going to be behind Josh Jacobs at Oakland that's going to be behind Tyler uh, Kyler Murray at Arizona he's number three right now and I think that uh, you know he he's now one of the most important guys but to get Josh Gordon to feel comfortable as a number three guy I know that they like Malik Turner. I know they like Jaron Brown. They are able to get him back on. I mean, they keep seven active wide receivers, but I have to think right now they need to try to take the next two weeks and get more out of Josh Gordon. I'll ask both you guys this, John. I think I know your answer, but if you could activate one guy, it would be either Clowney or Tyler Lockett. John, I think you picked Tyler I picked Lockett. Lockett. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I pick Lockett is because, I mean, you, you know that uh, Clowney's going to struggle. Because, I mean, he's fighting the core injury. He's now fighting uh, an illness. All those things are tend to be against him. And uh, next two weeks, I mean, you know, they take on a second-year wide res- I mean, second-year quarterback, Kyle Allen, who's a backup. And they take on Kyler Murray. And even though the pass rush is the most important thing, I think, right now on this team, I think the big thing is make your number one wide receiver the number one wide receiver and get that reestablished. You agree with that, Michael? Yeah, I agree. you got to get Tyler Lockett back involved. It's nice that he's been out there, so the defense has to know where he is, but he makes the pass game go. you got to get 16 going. Yeah. Hey, John, last week the Rams handled the Seahawks. I don't think many of us were expecting that. Do you chalk that up to a bad week, or do you think the Rams have exposed the Seahawks and anticipate other teams doing the same? No, I think it's a matter that uh, right now, and I think you can look at it for the last three years. I mean, face it, you know, because you you see this every year, and now it's a matter that in the future, what Pete Carroll and John Snyder have to do is readdress this. The Rams just have the edge on the Seahawks. I mean, you think about since Sean McVay's come in there as the head coach, they've won four of six games. You know, they were a Greg Zerline uh, kick away from from winning the game here in Seattle where they would have been 5-1. And, and you can see with the way that they run their offense, they just have an edge. And so, like anything else, I mean, you tend to draft to figure out, okay, how do you beat the teams in the division? They just have an edge right now. I wouldn't over overdo it. I think you look at the, you know, the the issues that are right there. I mean, again, you know that this defense did well for three straight weeks. But, again, if Todd Gurley can come in and get the first down runs and you got uh, Jared Goff being able to roll out to his right and be able to make the throws and do all these different things, I mean, you just got to figure out a way to do it. But I think it's just a, a one-game anomaly, not a big you know big problem overall. All right, John, they're going to have that big drum out there that says keep pounding, and, you know, you, you've got uh, somewhat fired-up fans out there. They're trying to we talk to somebody out there today, and he said they're trying to um, get the, the fans to not go Christmas shopping and come to the game. But I don't know, man. I feel like it, it could fold. Like, if you put a couple of touchdowns up on this team with some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, the, the defensive back complaining about the defensive game plan, um, you know, some guys not super behind the firing of Ron Rivera. It could, I feel like there's a chance it could be a runaway disaster. Yeah, I, I look at it more positive because what you're doing now is you're facing a backup quarterback who's in some ways been figured out. I mean, yeah, he came out and he won five of the first six games, and now he's sitting with a losing record. Okay, so he makes more mistakes than he does big plays, and so you take care of that. And, of course, the other thing is they've lost two of their front three guys on the defensive line in a 3-4 defense, and they can't stop the run. Simple thing. You go there, you just be simple, you try to run the ball, you get the victory, 
victory. You come out of there. Don't commit any turnovers. Don't try to do too much to uh, you know put yourself in a bad situation. It's a winnable game. This team's eliminated from the playoffs, and they're within one week of going to Will Greer at quarterback just to see what he can do for the last two weeks. I mean, you just beat them down and try to do the best you can. All right, Professor, I will see you in the booth in Carolina. That'll be great. All right, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. There he goes, the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, uh, we have found Jermaine Effetti. He was packing. He was packing for his trip, so uh, we were able to get a hold of him, and we're going to talk to him. Uh, We're going to talk to right tackle Jermaine Effetti. That's next right here on Hawks Live. 